Welcome to Hey, Remember the 80s? I'm Carrie. And I'm Joe. Please remember, we're not professional podcasters or music critics. We're just going to have a good time tonight and talk about 80s music. So give us a break. Yeah. Welcome, Joe. How are you? I'm doing quite well. And how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Joe. Good. Yeah, it's been a good week in Wisconsin with some sun, although it is raining right now. We're recording on a Saturday, and this will air later, but tomorrow's the first day of spring. Oh, <sighs> wonderful. Thank God. Winter is just the absolute worst. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Well, it's looking up then. <laughs> welcome to any new listeners. Welcome to the loyal listeners. We found some in Palm Springs, California, Watertown, Wisconsin. Sorry, Watertown, Wisconsin, <laughs> and Leeds, England. Hello. Hello to all those folks. And please keep up with us on our Facebook at facebook.com slash HRT80S and our Twitter at HRT80S. Mm-hmm. How about some tidbits? Yep, we've got some tidbits. We are recording in advance, so this is maybe old news to some people uh. at this point. But we've got to cover a couple different nominees that have weighed in on their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. First, Dionne Warwick came out. She was on actually on Watch What Happens Live on Bravo. I didn't realize this is where this news came from. But she said that she doesn't care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she doesn't think she's rock and roll. So what do you think about that, Joe? I mean, I'm not going to disagree with her. She's definitely not rock and roll, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> but she had some other takes that I agreed with. Like what? Didn't she? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Did, did you already just say this? She thinks they should just change the name. Yeah, no, I hadn't said that yet. <laughs> Please tell everyone what she wants to call it. Um, Gosh, see, this is what got me in trouble. I Googled it right when we started talking about it. <laughs> I've got it right here, Joe. She says she wants to call it the Music Hall of Fame. And now that they bring so many other genres into it, why not? Which I guess I agree with her at this point. I think that this rock and roll thing is just flummoxing everyone and they need to get their act together and at least come up with a coherent mission statement about what the acts are to fit into this Hall of Fame. And at this point, she's probably right that they just need to rename it music. So how do you think that would make the acts that were inducted earlier that are, you know, rock and roll? How do you think they would take that? Oh, we're changing it. You're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. You're in the Music Hall of Fame. I guess they wouldn't be mad, right? I don't think anybody would care. Is there like an R&B Hall of Fame? There's got to be something that's kind of equivalent, but it certainly doesn't have the same cachet. There's right. definitely a Country Music Hall of Fame, which probably does have the stature in the country music world, but... It's just too much. It's just too much that this is what is happening every year now. It devolves into this conversation. So shortly after Dion came out with that, Dolly Parton said that she wanted to withdraw her nomination because she didn't think she was rock and roll. Then a couple days later, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was like, no, <laughs> and said that she will remain on the ballot. So I just don't know. Kudos to Dolly. She's such a humble person. You know, she said she didn't want to split votes. You know, I appreciate that she was thinking of the other artists and putting them before her. 
who the hell knows what's going to happen when they finally announce who made it in, right? Yeah. Just feel like everything's all up in the air. And I think even especially this year, I think there's a lot more conversation about like, what the hell is this? And yeah, I don't like people. Um, period. It was <laughs> true. <laughs> I don't mind Dion and Dolly engaging in these conversations and giving their opinions. Dolly seemed to be responding to lots of people that were up in arms about her nomination. I've done this myself, so I'm a hypocrite, I guess. But it's just kind of like advocate for the people you want in, but don't disparage the people that you don't. It's Mm, just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the comments about Dolly's announcement. A lot of the comments online are like, well, what about Eminem? Wasn't, when is he going to do this? Oh, because they think that Eminem is not rock and roll? Right. Oh, I hadn't heard that conversation. But I don't have an opinion about whether rap is rock and roll. I just, I don't know anymore. I just don't know. So there you go. <laughs> so that's that. Until a new development next week, right? <laughs> exactly. We've still got like another whole month, I think, before voting closes and they announce the inductees. So, well, Joe, I have a small tidbit to cleanse the palate, but it's it's not good news. anger and dune scene. Yes, <laughs> there is a new Brian Adams album that came out, and it's not like I was excited for a Brian Adams album, but I had not heard about it at all. Stumbled upon it somehow and thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to give this a listen and hopefully there will be a song or two on here that I enjoy. And, you know, I like Brian Adams, you know, he does what he does well. And I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, some of his 90s ballads I really like um, and still enjoy after all this time. Well, sorry to break it to you, but this album sucks. (laughs) I'm so confused. Didn't he do like the Pretty Woman Broadway recording? He did, yes. So this is different than that. Yes, this is a brand new album. He worked extensively with Mutt Lang. It's produced by Mutt Lang, co-written songs. Mutt Lang is playing instruments and singing backup, and not too many songs. There's like one or two with Jim Valance, or Valance, whatever, however you say his name, Valance. But not even just like, huh, this isn't for me, like actively like thinking to myself, this song sucks. So I do not recommend (laughs) Brian Adams' new album. Yeah, you told me, you're like, I'm going to talk about it. You don't have to listen to it. I was like, yes. (laughs) I was going to say, hey, if you want to check it out when I first thought about doing it as a tidbit, but then after I actually listened to the album, I was like, no, thank you. So speaking of Mutt Lang... Mm-hmm. His former collaborators, Def Leppard, they're coming out with a new album this year as well on oh, really? May 27th. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like to hear what people are doing. I like to hear new stuff from these acts. And, you know, like I said, it's not like I'm a Brian Adams fan by any means, but I just was like, oh, this You wanted to check in. Yeah. Right. Sure, I get it. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear Def Leppard's new song. It's actually been out a couple of days, and I, I haven't listened yet. Hmm. But I haven't either. It's haven't a it. good timing. They have that stadium tour co-headlining with Motley Crue and oh. special guests Poison and Joan Jett. So they're probably going to try to sneak in a new song, I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun. And I have one. It's a smaller tidbit than yours. So I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago where I had put in a bid on those sweaters. Oh, gosh. That Casey Kasem owned. Mm -hmm. There were six of them in the lot. And I bid. I got outbid. I tried again. I got outbid. Put it out of mind. 
Carrie, an email came through yesterday and they were like, congratulations, you won. And we charge your credit card with this amount and we will ship them to you in the next, well, it said 30 to 60 days. I was like, come on. But I'm the owner of them. This sounds very shady to me. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. How were you outbid, but then that didn't come through? When did the auction actually end? I remember it was March 17th, because I remember thinking, oh, that's a month from my initial bid. People are going to be bidding up until the last minute. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'll get it. See, I was thinking like maybe they tried to get payment from the first person and weren't successful. So then it came back to you. I don't know. That must be it. And I really like at this point, I'm not going to ask them any questions because I mean, I see the charge on my credit card. It's it's done. I don't know what to say about it. I, I have mixed feelings, but I can't wait to see you in the sweaters. Well, that's the thing. That will be the tease. So when they arrive, what if they don't fit? I've been Googling like how tall is Casey Kasem? <laughs> I don't know, my friend. I do not know. We will uh, be waiting with bated breath for 30 to 60 days to find out. Stay tuned to see if they fit or if our intern Courtney has six (laughs) new sweaters to add to her wardrobe. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. We got to get started with our main topic. And this week, Joe, we are covering some more obscure soundtrack songs. Let's start it off with... My Male Curiosity by Kid Creole and the Coconuts. This one is from Against All Odds. The Against All Odds album is Bizarre. Of course, everyone remembers the title song by Phil Collins, which went to number one. And it was actually written by Phil for his first album and was called How Can You Sit There? But it didn't make the cut. So when director Taylor Hackford asked him to write a song for Against All Odds, he just used that one and adapted it to fit the movie. There's also tracks on the album by Phil's bandmate Mike Rutherford and his former bandmate Peter Gabriel. But we are here to talk about Kid Creole and the Coconuts. August Darnell was born in the Bronx to Italian and Caribbean parents and was an English teacher before starting his first band in the mid-70s. He took the name Kid Creole from the Elvis movie King Creole. Kid Creole and the Coconuts were born in 1980. The band wore zoot suits on stage, and the Coconuts were female backup singers led by Kid's then-wife Adriana Kagi. The other members were ever-changing in the band, at times had up to 12 different people included, but they were always known for their theatrical live shows and their mix of disco with Caribbean beats and the jazz sounds of the 30s and 40s that Cab Calloway had made famous. The group's third album was a hit in the UK, producing three top 10 singles, including Stool Pigeon, which is such a great song, we have to play a clip for you here. ever heard stool pigeon before joe i had never but this absolutely 100 was one where it was like where have you been all my life <laughs> I, know. I was obsessed with it especially the ha-cha-cha-cha yes, that's my favorite part it's so funny we say that in this house all the time <laughs> so dumb 
but to hear it on the song over and over, we were like, every time we were like, I love it. <laughs> it's so fun. I have no idea where I first heard Stool Pigeon, but I've known it for probably about 10 years, 20 years. No way. Yeah, wow. I remember listening to it when Lucky I was in you. law school. I know. I love it so much. It's so infectious. It doesn't sound 1985 to me. It sounds like 95 or like even 2015. I feel like it's got some uptown. What was that album, Mark Ronson? With Uptown Funk, was it Uptown Special? I don't know the name of the album. It just sounds something like that. And it reminded me of, uh, remember that song Lucas with the lid off? Oh, yeah. Uh, There was something about it. Yeah, it's great. It's timeless. But let's talk My Male Curiosity. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Kid Creole and the Coconuts actually appear in the movie Against All Odds. Remember, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, They appear performing this song. Written and produced by Darnell, the song was released as a single and reached 83 in the UK, 110 on the Bubbling Under chart, and 23 on the Dance chart here in the States. The group had a number of hits on the dance chart over the years, but the only time they hit the Hot 100 was in 1988 with a collaboration with Barry Manilow called Hey Mambo. Darnell now has his own indie record label, which re-released the band's debut album in 2020 for its 40th anniversary. Cute. Yeah. So my male curiosity, did you like it as much as you liked Stool Pigeon? That's not fair. (laughs) I can't compare them. I liked it. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a lot different, but I liked it. Not as much, but I did like it. And I had to look up the timeline because I'm like, I'm hearing like that crazy piano from Conga. Remember that crazy piano bridge? (laughs) (laughs) Like I felt like I could hear it in this song. Yeah. Well, it's definitely got a very specific sound to it, like Caribbean influence, but... I really liked this one a lot, too. It's, it is not fair to compare it to Stool Pigeon. They are completely different songs, but I really loved it. And there's something about his voice. It sounds like it could almost be comedic and like he's putting on, but it doesn't tip all the way there. Like she just he just keeps it, you know, on the precipice where it sounds serious. He, it doesn't sound like he's joking or putting on a voice. And I love it. This music gives me a vibe of like, Mom and dad getting ready to go out on a Saturday night. Oh, yeah. And they put this record on. The babysitter's coming over. (laughs) I agree with you. It's got a very old-timey vibe to it, but Mm -hmm. still sounds like it could have been released in... Fresh. Yeah, 1985, 1995, or 2015. Carrie, sorry to turn on a dime like this to something not as upbeat. (laughs) Okay. But the next song is a song called Heart of Love. Is there any other kind, by the way? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) By Bond, Jamie Bond. (laughs) Who is Jamie Bond? Well, you're about to find out. This is a song from the movie The Heavenly Kid. Carrie, when you were doing the research, there was a whole message board about soundtrack songs. And the listing for this song would say things like, I need the song or the whole soundtrack in any format. It's out of print and gone. 
I want a copy, so if anyone knows where I can obtain one, or if you have one and want to part with it, I would be truly grateful. And then other people would respond with, I need it too. Yes. So the demand was there. Uh, yeah. Surely this is a great song. Hmm? hmm Here's a clip. So if you must have it, like these crazy people on the message boards, you can find it on Apple Music now. So not sure when those comments were made. Did you ever see The Heavenly Kid? I do not think I ever saw it, but it's definitely one of those movies that every time I went to the video store, I saw the cover. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen it oh, as a have? kid. Yeah, okay. But I didn't go to the Wikipedia entry to check my work. But <laughs> I want to say Jane Kaczmarek is in it. Yes, yes, she is. Really? You yeah. wa- Did you watch it or you just looked it up? No, I just looked it up. I didn't watch this. <laughs> okay, and I think there's a scene where there's like a car race and someone's shoelace gets stuck to the gas pedal and they're going really fast and that's how he dies. Yes, yes. This really? all checks out. I read oh the I read the Wikipedia summary. So this is Does it happen tracking. twice in the movie where you think it's going to happen to the other kid yes. but he gets out in time? Oh my god. <laughs> Spoilers for the heavenly kid. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, the whole plot of the movie is that this guy dies in a car race and then goes to I don't know, I guess purgatory and waits for 20 years. And then is sent back to Earth to be a kid's guardian angel. And this kid ends up being the son that he had with Jane Kaczmarek. You know, obviously after he passed away, you know, she was pregnant when he passed away. I didn't know that. And then the son is getting involved in a race at the end and he gives himself up for the son. And I don't know. And then goes to heaven. Who knows? I don't know. But anyways... I just also realized the reason me and Dave say ha-cha-cha-cha is from the show Playing House, and it's from a scene where Jane Kaczmarek is in it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What a connection. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Back to Heart of Love (laughs) by Jamie Bond. An actress named Joni Paladin is singing under the pseudonym Jamie Bond, and the song was produced by George Duke the one-hit wonder who reached number 19 with Sweet Baby in 1981. And it has one of those weird stories where a program director in Buffalo saw the movie on HBO in 1991. Get a life, dude. (laughs) Then he decided to add the song to his station's rotation, and eventually nearby stations in Rochester and Toronto also added the song, but no one could buy it because the soundtrack was out of print. How did this happen? I don't know, Joe. Can you even imagine watching this movie and hearing the song and being compelled to do anything other than just forget you've ever heard this song? (laughs) No, I can't imagine doing any of those three things. Watching the movie on HBO in 1991, loving the song, and having to play it for other people. 
it's not bad, but it's just so nothing. I mean, and it doesn't make any sense. Like the lyrics are like climbing to the heart of love with you. What are you climbing to the heart of love? That doesn't make any sense. No, I don't understand anything about it. She was kind of giving me like Celine vibes. Like overwrought? (laughs) Yeah, like it was, I didn't want to say anything bad about Celine, but like, you know, just she was overdoing it at times. Yes, I definitely hear that. Yeah, there was so much happening here and and still nothing happening at all. (laughs) Right. Let's move on to Good Times by In Excess and Jimmy Barnes from The Lost Boys. Who else was obsessed with The Lost Boys? It was one of my favorite movies back in the day. And I watched it a couple months ago. I think it holds up. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, we all know who In Excess is, but who is Jimmy Barnes? He's not really a household name here in the States, but he's one of the biggest names in Australia as lead singer for the band Cold Chisel, and as a solo artist, he achieved 17 number one albums down under. Holy shit. That's the most for any artist in the Australian market. He's not a native Aussie. He was actually born in Glasgow and moved to Australia when he was five. After Cold Chisel broke up in late 1983, he went solo and was immediately successful. Two songs from his second album hit the top 10 in Australia, and Working Class Man reached 22 on the U.S. rock chart and 74 on the Hot 100. Good Times was not originally recorded for The Lost Boys. It was recorded in late 1986 to promote the Australian Made Tour. This festival-style tour of all Australian acts, co-headlined by NXS and Barnes and featuring other Australian artists like the Divinals, the Models, and Mental as Anything, it played all across Australia for a month from December 86 to January 87. Sounds like a flippin' good time. <laughs> I would love it, right? The song was a cover. Australian band The Easy Beats had originally released it in 1968. The NXS and Barnes version went all the way to number two in Australia, and after it was included on the Lost Boys soundtrack in the summer of 87, it peaked at 47 on the Hot 100 and went to number two on the rock chart in the U.S. The other song recorded by Barnes and NXS for the Australian Made Tour was called Laying Down the Law, and it was also included on the Lost Boys soundtrack. So Joel Schumacher was a big NXS and Jimmy Barnes fan, fan, I guess. Right. I love this song. I had the Lost Boys soundtrack back in the day. Somebody did in my house. It wasn't <laughs> me, but I remember it, the tape. Yeah. The one that I remember the most is um, Echo and the Bunnymen covering People Are Strange. But yeah. this one is is a good one. I don't remember the other one at all, Laying Down the Law. Maybe it's not included in the movie, really. But Good Times, I think, plays over like the opening credits or something and kind of sets the mood. It's fun. I'm going to have to check out the movie again. It's been like at least 30 years since I've seen it. You know, I was ready to be disappointed 
I mean, it's not like amazing, but it was a nice little viewing. Oh, and isn't Diane Weist in it? Yes, she is. Oh, love it. Okay. Up next is a song called Video, and it's by Jeff Lynne. It's from the movie Electric Dreams. I think I have this one on vinyl. Oh, my goodness. Wait, don't you have Against All Odds on vinyl? I do. Yes, that's where I heard my male curiosity. (laughs) Did you listen to it this week? I didn't listen to it this week. I listened to it quite some time ago, and that's what inspired me to include my male curiosity. We should put it on tonight while you and your husband are getting ready to (laughs) hit the town. (laughs) Electric Dreams includes songs from Giorgio Moroder, Culture Club, Helen Terry. Can that be right? Yes, it is. The same Helen Terry we talked about last week. Yes. Huh. And Heaven 17. Video was written with ELO keyboard player Richard Tandy. Parts of the chorus of the song were repurposed from an ELO song called Beatles Forever, which was written for the 1983 album Secret Messages. It was originally intended to be a double album, but the band's record label wouldn't allow it. They said a double album would be too expensive, so eight of the 18 tracks had to be removed. The other seven tracks have been released in the years since, but Beatles Forever remains lost. The song Video appears in the movie when the computer is trying to write a love song, scans through TV clips, and it comes up with this. This one peaked at number 85 on the Hot 100 in 1984, but Lynn has since expressed regret at participating in the soundtrack. Love to hear more about that. I know. <laughs> he's a weird guy. <laughs> I know, but like he's like heavily involved in Xanadu. I know. And then like later on he's like, "Oh, my big regret is doing one <laughs> song for the Electric Dreams soundtrack." He did another one, too, to be fair. Oh, there were two? Yeah. You should listen to that record I own. Yeah, you should. (laughs) Um, This one is strange. I watched the clip from the movie, which is on YouTube. That's how I watched the whole video. Or the whole whole movie, movie? yeah. Well, tell me about the movie. What did you think of it? I haven't seen the whole movie. First of all, the guy who plays the main guy, he is so hot. You know where I know him from? Twin Twin Peaks. Peaks. Yes. Yes, I did a whole deep dive when I... (laughs) Googled his name and then shirtless pics. (laughs) He's shirtless in the movie, I believe. And it's a little blurry on YouTube. Uh I would like to get a real copy and watch it because I kind of was just like, what am I looking at here? (laughs) Oh, and also remember it cut out the Culture Club song for copyright issues. Oh, wow. There's like a whole three minute segment of just silence. Interesting. Yeah. Like we said, the computer is trying to write a love song, I guess. The computer is scanning different TV commercials and stuff, and then suddenly comes up with this song, which this is not a love song. What is this? No, not at all. This is so weird. You know, the director of the movie is Steve Barron, who is the very famous music video director. Mm -hmm. And he said that it was was intended to be a flash dance thing where the music was driving the plot and blah, blah, blah. Video clips, yeah. And it's just like, well, okay, then why don't you make it make sense? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm mind the song at all i actually think it's fun and it sounds like an elo song 
It sounds like ELO, but I also feel like he was trying to do some new wave stuff because of the theme of the movie and Mm -hmm. the other acts and other music that was taking place. And I like that he put the lyric together in Electric Dreams in the song. He understood the assignment. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Lynne's a great songwriter, and he was uh, keyed into the theme of the movie. But yeah, I just don't think it works for this particular scene. Mm -hmm. I've got one now that I have been obsessed with (laughs) lately. (laughs) Yeah, you won't let it go. (laughs) No Secrets by Van Stevenson. This is from Secret Admirer. And I discovered the song when I was putting together. I used to do Soundtrack Saturday on Charlie's. The Secret Admirer soundtrack actually has a bunch of recognizable names and songs. First Day of Summer by Tony Carey. Uh, I like that one. Yeah. And Meeting in the Ladies' Room by Climax. I love that one. (laughs) I know. And it's also got songs by Nick Kershaw and Kim Wilde. Wow, wow, wow. That's one I'd love to track down, yeah, on vinyl and listen to. I'll find it, yeah. But this track by Van Stevenson is awesome. He grew up in Nashville and graduated from seminary school before becoming a songwriter in the 70s. He wrote a top 10 country hit for Crystal Gale in 1979 and also wrote for big names like Kenny Rogers. He released his first solo album in 81, but did not hit it big until 84, when Modern Day Delilah went to 22 on the Hot 100 and 9 on the Rock Chart. The next year, he wrote No Secrets specifically for Secret Admirer. It was released as a single but did not chart. After his next album flopped, Stevenson focused on songwriting and then formed the country group Blackhawk in 1992. They had 14 top 40 hits on the country chart before Stevenson passed away from cancer in 2001. Very sad, very sad end to Van Mm -hmm. Stevenson's story. It's crazy the kind of arc of his career. He started in country as a songwriter and, and then rock, rock yeah, and, and then, then back. back. But yeah, I just love the song so much. The part when he sings like my feelings, no secret anymore. Just like his passion. I'm really into it. I don't know what else to say. You texted me and you're like, I danced so hard to no secrets that I fell on the kitchen floor. True or false? I almost fell. Almost fell. I slipped in my socks and almost fell. <laughs> but I tried to watch Secret Admirer this week. You can find it on YouTube, the full movie. And I had to turn it off after five minutes because there was like three different upsetting jokes in the first five minutes. And I was just like, give me a break. I'm going to tune in and watch and I'll see. Was this something Carrie should have been offended by? I don't know. I remember watching it since the 80s. And I think the mm. whole vibe of it is not very friendly to women. I mean, what 80s movie is? Well, very true. Very, very true, Joe. Carrie, I'm sad that No Secrets wasn't a bigger hit, because if it had been more popular, maybe Weird Al could have made a song about it. Like when you're sick and the pharmacy is all out of your favorite cough drops. No Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is with you coming up with the Weird Al parody songs? 
it's ever since you said you didn't like him. So now it's like <laughs> I always will think of when I'm like, oh, I'm going to text this to her and see if she gets mad. Yeah, yesterday Joe's was when Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer played on Charlie's 80s Attic. He said, Weird Al should write a song about, what was it? Like not... Weird Al should write a song about the rising costs oh, of yes. subscription <laughs> services like Netflix and Hulu. Don't fall in love with a streamer. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> That's what you get. I don't know. Woo, we've got one last one, Joe. Take us out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is a song called Take a Second Look by Jolie Jones and Donnie Gerard, And it's from the movie Hunk. I cannot even believe they had a song in it. I don't even know where it is in the movie. Right. Well, the less said about Hunk, the better. You watched it for the first time? I had seen it many, many, many years ago. But you just rewatched it. Well, I rewatched the first half. And you hated it. It's boring as heck. You're crazy. All right. So Canadian Donnie Gerard was the lead singer of Skylark, which had one single, Wildflower, reached the top 40 in 1973, and that band included David Foster on keyboards. Gerard duetted with Amy Holland on a song for the Foster-produced soundtrack to St. Elmo's Fire in 1985. This duet came two years later. When you wish upon a dream Make Make it your destiny While life passes by, don't you know things are not what they seem? The Jolie Jones singing with him is the daughter of Quincy Jones. Amazing. She's a Nepo baby. Yeah. <laughs> Nepotism baby. Jolie had worked as an actress and model extensively before singing on this track. I didn't know he had another daughter. I think he's got seven children from five different women, maybe. Ah, uh, there you go. But anyways, yeah, she didn't do much after this. <laughs> this one is bizarre. It wasn't included in the hour that I watched, so it must be like an end credit song or something. Gosh, it's so bad. Yeah. I feel so bad that the YouTube version, I, it has 179 views. <laughs> Well, like five of those are from me this week. That's what's sad, you know? I have videos with more views than that, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Not a lot of love for the movie Hunk, which if anyone remembers Hunk, let us know. I've seen it more times than I could count. That's upsetting, Joe. That's so upsetting. We had it on VHS. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, that's a wrap on obscure soundtrack songs for this week. There were some real obscure ones there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's go digging deep. I bet Quincy Jones doesn't even know about that <laughs> Take a Second Look song. Yeah, probably not. Well, we have got one more segment. We are going... Just a bit outside. And, Joe, we're going to keep moving through the decade both ways. Interesting. Yep. So, up first, it's our next song that peaked between 41 and 100 from 1980. We're up to March. Can you even believe it? <laughs> oh, my God. Time is just flying by. Yep. This is Desire by The Rockets, but I think they were credited just as Rockets on the actual chart. 
Jimmy McCarty and Johnny B. Badejnik were members of the Detroit Wheels, Mitch Ryder's backup band. They had six top 40 hits in the 60s before Ryder left for a solo career. After that, McCarty and Badejnik formed the Rockets. They released their first studio album in 77, and in 1979 had two singles reach the Hot 100, including a cover of Fleetwood Mac's Oh Well, which peaked at 30. The group's third album, No Ballads, was released in 1980, and Desire was the only charting single. It peaked at number 70 on March 8th, 1980. The group released two more albums before breaking up, but McCarty and Badejnik would later form yet another group called The Hell Drivers. Oh, that sounds scary. Yeah. Those two were compadres, I guess. <laughs> Couldn't get yeah. away from each other. But uh, Desire, it's good. It's good. I don't know. I feel like it left something to be desired. <laughs> And what turned me off immediately was the line, I've got what you need. I don't even remember. And, you know, 10 times out of 10 when a man says that, (laughs) they do not actually have what is needed. Okay. Um, A strange thing to key into, Joe, but I didn't mind it. It was one of those ones where I'm not going to add it to my playlist, but Mm -mm. I'm not going to turn the channel when it comes on either. Mm Mm-mm. Oh, well, I get to do 1989. You do. That's so funny because we heard from listeners. Some are like, yeah, 89, yeah. And then some people are like, <laughs> 80s, just a bit outsides were better. <laughs> you know, I understand both sides. But 89, I mean, this song is just so different from Desire. It's a song called I Don't Know by Michael Morales. Have we talked about him before? I don't know. Maybe in a back in time or yeah, something. Yeah, I think maybe we've mentioned him once or so. He is a San Antonio singer, and he came from a musical family. His parents met when they performed together on a radio show. He fronted a band called The Max for most of the 80s, and then released his self-titled debut album in 1989. The first two singles reached the top 40. There was Who Do You Give Your Love To, which peaked at number 15, and his cover of What I Like About You peaked at number 28. I Don't Know was the third single, and it didn't do as good. I Don't Know peaked at number 81 on December 16, 1989. Morales' second album produced only one Hot 100 hit, and his record label dropped him after that. He then turned to production work. He and his brother opened a recording studio in San Antonio, and they've worked with acts like Selena and Beyonce. Huge. Mm-hmm. In fact, Morales engineered Selena's live album, which won a Grammy for Best Mexican-slash-Mexican-American Album in the year 1993. Good for him. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, I don't know what to say about it. I don't know. (laughs) 
I don't want to say anything bad. It's, yeah, there's nothing there. Who do you give your love to and what I like about you or both? I don't really know if I like either of those songs, but they had a sound to them, I guess. This one doesn't. I had generic written down on my notes. Yeah, just kind of generic. Exactly. But yeah, good for him that he knew his strengths, I guess. <laughs> he figured out uh, he shouldn't have been in front of the mic. He should have been behind the boards. I love that when they pivot. I don't like the sad stories that we cover, right? So he couldn't be a superstar performer, but he made it work. Kudos to Michael Morales. Carrie, we're getting ready to wrap up, but I forgot that I have a correction. Oh, boy. Yes, yes, yes. This was back in the episode where we talked about the rapper Dana Dane. Dana Dane? Dana Dane. And while you were discussing, I smugly interrupted and said I knew of that rapper because that's where Chili from TLC got her start. I was so wrong. She was working with an R&B duo named Damien Dame. But I feel like that's on them. (laughs) Why would you have such a similar name to Dana Dane, you know? No, okay, this is all coming back to me now because this comes from the Stereo Gum column, The Number Ones, which this week covered TLC's Creep. And I had the same exact thought when I was reading it. I got to that part talking about a group named Damien Dame. I was like, what the heck? That sounds too much like Dana Dane. (laughs) They should have changed their name. Yeah, they should have. It (laughs) led to dangerous things like me getting getting a trivia item about TLC wrong. (laughs) And I didn't realize like when you texted me, oh, I've got to correct some information about TLC. I didn't even make the connection between that and Dana Dane, which I had already had that thought in my head. So (laughs) I didn't remember you said that. Well, listeners, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sure they're all right. And I'm sure there's been like a million different things that we've said wrong. Wrong. (laughs) Couldn't even begin to keep track of them all. So. All right. Well, I don't have a tease for next week, but it'll be good. Whatever it is. Right, Joe? Yes. I'm happy with all the outlines that you come up with. (laughs) They're all great. They're all winners. Yep. They're all winners. But that's it for this week. Keep voting at uh, vote.rockhall.com for whoever you want to see in the Hall of Fame. I don't even care at this point. Just keep voting. Why don't we tease our special for Charlie's AZ's Attic, which is on April 1st and that weekend? Oh, okay. Perfect. The three of us, Carrie, me, and Charlie, are all going to program what we would call our perfect hour of 80s music. So we will be picking and you can hear our favorite 80s songs at this time, because I know we've already done like two different lists, right? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even go that route, Joe. It's not necessarily like my 15 favorite songs. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm coming up with my list right now, and it's definitely not my top 15 songs of the 80s. It's the songs that I think would sound good together that I also would defend to anyone and say this is a perfect song. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. So yes, that will premiere on Friday, April 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern, and it replays on Saturday and Sunday at the same time. So tune in to Charlie's 80s Attic. Yep, tune in and listen how Carrie steals one of my all-time favorite songs. Right off the bat, you thought I wouldn't see it, but I did. <laughs> well, you got to start notice. coming up with your lists before me, because I knew when I put that on there, I'm like, Joe probably wanted this one, but too bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fine. I mean, there's just so many songs to pick from. Yeah. But if people listen and they hear what song it is that you stole, they'll understand why you chose it to lead off, right? Yep. I'm going to explain <laughs> it, too. It's going to be you awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's close it out. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, be kind to yourself. Be kind to animals and other people. The environment. Yes. Be kind to me. I don't deserve attitude. <laughs> and thank you for listening. And we love you. Bye. Bye.